high beat from Times Square to Columbus Circle. The gaudiest, the most violent, the lonesomest mile in the world. Broadway's My Beat. The thrilling drama of murder and mystery and the people who walk the great white way with Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover. covers the sun, hangs a veil over Broadway. And for a time, Broadway is dimly seen, dimly heard. For an instant, Broadway is stunned. But then it recovers. It leaps to embrace the false night. The neon flares, the spectaculars explode. The banners are hung. Welcome, night. And for the time of the mist, it's good on Broadway. But then the sun breaks through again and spoils it, and the lights are turned off in sullenness, and backs are turned on the day. At police headquarters, you stand at a window and consider it. But you're interrupted. A man is dead in an apartment hotel, maybe two minutes from headquarters. Look into it, Danny. And you nod because you know that's the way it would come out. It takes two minutes. You know that because when you get out of the elevator, a man is standing there with a watch in his hand. Two minutes and 20 seconds. On the nose. Oh, I'll put my money on the nose of you boys from headquarters every time. Your death in a sprint. They told me a man was killed here. Yes, they told you true. Care for a look, see? Let's look, anyway. It's right down the hall in 4B. Come along, fellas. Here we are, fellas. Locked. Oh, of course it is. I locked it. You took it on yourself to do that? Oh, naturally, I'm the manager. I do many things by night and by day. I perform... Oh, uh, I like it when you make it seem I've done something criminal. I only locked the door to keep the stupors out. You know how they are, messing about, fingering clues, sticking their noses. Sean, you found him like this? Exactly. He hasn't moved an inch. Who was he? Uh, Mr. Frank Briscoe, pleasant gentleman. Oh, always had a joke for me. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> Whenever you're through. Oh, oh, yes. He's been a tenant here for uh, oh, four or five months, I'd say. Tell me about it. When you heard the shot, what you did? Was oh, I, oh, I didn't. Didn't what? Oh, I didn't hear a shot. What attracted me was a smell of smoke. I rushed in. A wastebasket was on fire, and, and Mr. Briscoe... Wait a minute. Hello. What's that? Hello. Oh, it's full in there. It's been doing that ever since. Uh, we see it was just dangling there. I, I wouldn't touch it. Hello. Oh, Hello. Hello? Talking to Mr. Briscoe? Yes. My name's Eddie Cutler. I called Frank for a golf day. He said, excuse me, there's someone at the door. Hang on, he said. Where are you now, Mr. Cutler? At my place of business, on Wall Street. What happened? A murder. Stick around, Mr. Cutler. I want to talk to you. Well, what do you know about that? All the time. There must be things for you to do, manager. Go do them. After that, it was a matter of getting out of the way while the boys with the dusting powder tried to raise fingerprints and the boys with the cameras tried to get presentable photographs of a dead man. Known as routine, 
The impersonal broadings as to why time and circumstance conspired to make Frank Briscoe a victim of murder. My part of it was to get back to headquarters and make phone calls and have other people make phone calls and get out such and such file and finally come up with a starting point. Frank Briscoe was married, now separated from his wife, Sylvia. More phone calls and prodding. Sylvia managed an employment agency in the Empire State Building, an agency for executive placements only. I went there. Please sit down. Thank you. Ms. Briscoe. Look, if you like, relax. I'm from the police, Mrs. Briscoe. Oh? Name? Danny Clover. Well, let me understand you. If you're working now, why do you come to see me? Because of your husband. Why ruin a sunshiny day? Look at it out there. People drowning themselves in it. Your husband's dead. <laughs> Don't let me stop you. Have your reaction, and we'll talk. It's funny, you know. Things you leave behind you, forget about, and something happens. Comes back in a rush. Sunshine, sidewalks down there, and the wonderful news you just brought me. I'm a little girl again, and I want to play hopscotch on the pavement. I'm happy for you, Miss Burton. Thank you. You see, Frank was such a nothing. Now that you understand... Not quite. A nothing, Mr. Clover, is a nothing. Zero in an empty box. Yet you married him. And stayed that way for three months. One morning, I stepped out of the house into the sunshine and liked that better. Why didn't you get a divorce? Frank wouldn't give me one. For five years now, our conversation runs like this. Me. Frank, I want a divorce. Frank, no. One thing I didn't tell you. Frank was murdered. I'm glad for him. He had a horror of just wasting away. He... I wonder if that changes anything. Like what? His insurance policy. A large one. A hundred thousand dollars. Oh, Frank was a tricky one. He tried to woo me back by having it made out in my name. <laughs> tricky, Frank. That's where the happiness comes, you know. Sure, of course. Frank's been dead nothing. I blow on my fingernails about that. But $100,000? Well, Mr. Clover, that's really something. Really something. Her girlish ecstasy over the sunshine, the $100,000, the dead husband, made it harder. Because it made me sick. Because it made me greedy to book her for murder. But the happy, happy widow had answers but held. She had seen Frank only rarely from the day she'd walked out on him. Her lawyers handled it with him. No, she hadn't left her office that morning. Her secretaries, her clients could verify if I didn't care to take her word. Then she began to tell me what she'd do with all that money. About the time she was a white queen in the African jungle, I walked out on her. Then the search for a kind word over a dead man. Maybe Eddie Cutler, the man on the phone, the man from Wall Street, had one. Maybe he'd look up from his ticker tape and give me one. Mr. Cutler? Uh, another moment, please. Hmm. <laughs> I wish I could let you in on this one. Now, if you retain me as your investment broker... Oh, Frank Bristol. Just one more minute. Hmm? I can't let this get away. My clients come first. Pete, will you Put get me... Put that phone down. I, I say... Put it down. Your clients will have to do without you for an hour. Maybe longer. Maybe for days. Well, I was only... All right. Pete, I'll call you back as soon as I'm rid of... Yeah. Now, just what is it you wanted me? I told you. Oh? Oh, yes. About Frank. 
poor Frank. Now, who would have dreamed... Dreamed what, Mr. Cutler? Is it plain that he'd be murdered? Die like that? You play golf with a man, you don't expect things like this to happen to him. Not to your golf buddies. How well did you know him? Mm, about that well. He'd call me, I'd call him, we'd arrange a little match for drinks. As a matter of fact, I was just calling him when... Oh, was it, was it you I talked to on the phone in Frank's apartment? Yeah. I thought your voice sounded familiar. You pardon me for saying so, but you have a very pleasant voice. Mrs. Prescott, do you know her? I never had the pleasure. Frank told me a lot about her lots of times. No, I never had the pleasure. <clears throat> Anything else? Yeah, the phone call you made to Briscoe. Tell me about that. Well, I already did when Tell you... Tell me again. Did you hear a shot after Briscoe asked you to hang on? A shot? No. I did hear a door open and uh, muffled voices, nothing intelligible. And then there was a funny kind of noise, a kind of a... a kind of a pop. Mm-hmm. After that, well, you know about after that. <clears throat> Anything else? Yeah. You. Are you glad Frank Briscoe's dead? Am I good? Oh, what a question. What a thing to say to a man. I just thought I'd ask. Try the ticker tape, Mr. Cutler. Maybe that'll console you. Uh, Danny? You may take three giant steps to Taglia. Come on in. I'm sorry, Danny, but I am not in the mood for levity today. We've got business to attend to. Uh, I apologize. Accepted. Thank you. Now, what can I do for you? Just sit there and admire the rapid manner in which New York's finest have come to your assistance. Mm, Why should I do that? Because I have in my hand a complete report of the dwellers who dwelt on the same floor of the apartment house in which Frank Briscoe was found deceased. I'm proud. Tell me about it. Roger. We'll go. There's not much to tell. But you'll tell me, huh? Only this, Danny. There were three other denizens of that floor, Mr. and Mrs. C.P. Meston, who are living there for nine to 13 years and who are no trouble at all. Mm-hmm. In fact, the manager was more than profuse in his plaudits of old C.P. He likes to play cribbage with them. Thank you. Who else? Then there's Mr. and Mrs. Milburn Jeffries, who live on a pension and a canasta board. Also, no trouble. Uh, happy Homer. Then there is a Miss Della Sloan. Spinster and a double solitaire fan. Oh, no, Danny, no. This Bella Sloan is a young lady of 27 with a now-and-then kind of police record. Now and then what? Mm, disturbing the peace, drunkenness. What was she doing in an apartment house like that? You know, that's what I can't figure. She checked in for one day, then checked out. Whimsical, huh? Where is this Bella Sloan now? Oh, wait a minute. Now, here it is. At the tag end of my report. Central Park West, 2002. I answered all your questions, Danny. I did good, huh? Battaglia did real fine. He even supplied a good question. What made Della Sloan so whimsical? It was a question that begged an answer. I had to find out what it was. The address on Central Park West was a study in red brick respectability, overlooking the park, neat, scrubbed, and peaceful. A gray-haired man at the desk smiled and told me Miss Sloan lived on the third floor and said that was just to the left of the elevator, sir. It was all so peaceful that I hated to break it up. Well, 
a long way from the bottles, so come on in. I'll show you where. Miss Flaunt? Come on in, come on, come on. Very, very, very. Drinky! You want a little drinky, don't you? I'm from the police. Drinky? No? Oh, come on, mister, come on. Oh, listen to me. Oh, honey, it's strong. I like it when you hold me. Come on, dance with me. The radio and everything, come on. Now, look. I'm turned, turned by. Come on, move your feet. Come on, that's better. Miss Sloan, tell her. She went limp in my arms and her head fell downward against my chest. Like a tired dancer when the night's dancing is through. But the bullet hole in her back gave the setting another texture. There was no tiredness in her face, only the expression that is suddenly and forever caught in an instant of time. Della Sloan was dead. Della Sloan had been murdered. we once had a president who never voted in his life? That's right. He was Zachary Taylor, our 12th president. It seems that Taylor joined the Army when he was in his early 20s and stayed in the service until just before he was elected president. While he was a soldier, he was never qualified to vote since he was never stationed long enough in one place. And strange to say, he didn't even vote for himself in the election which made him president. But today, through absentee ballots, most of our military personnel are given the chance to vote because we, as a nation, have learned that the foundation of authority is in the full consent of the people. We now continue with Broadway's My Beat, written by Morton Fine and David Friedkin and starring Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover. trade winds blow in from the Hudson and summertime comes to Broadway, it's a season of rare enchantment. Then the palm trees sway in the corner lunchstand to the whir of the electric fan, and the gourmet nods with satisfaction over the exotic tidbits, the juice from the papaya, the coconut milk, the knish. And Broadway lulls in its island paradise to a native tune entitled hoop de doo and occasionally glances at the newspapers from the mainland. Man murdered in an apartment house. What the beachcombers hadn't found out about yet was about me. Woman shot to death while dancing with policemen. I put Della Sloan on the couch, walked over to the window. There was no one on the fire escape. The shot had come from there, but the murderer had fled. Only the small hole in the window, the fragments of broken glass on the rug. I called headquarters, reported it. Then I turned off the radio. Two minutes after that, the door opened. It was too soon. It couldn't have been the police. Oh, I'm sorry. It wasn't. I didn't know Della had a call. I'll go. No, don't go. Come in. Close the door. I don't bust nothing up for Della, mister. Close the door. Sure enough. Hey, what's the matter? I'm a policeman. Oh. Hey, look at Della with you out again. Who are you? 
I'm Della's roommate, Bad Jean Owen. Now, look at him. Della didn't come home last night, did she? So? Did she? No. I- I'm trying to tell you. I'm a hard... Why wasn't she home? <laughs> All right. Let's go to headquarters, Betty. Mister, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yesterday afternoon, Della had a phone call, and she wasn't in, so I took it. I gave her number when she came in a few minutes later. That's all I know. What number? I guess it's still here on the pad. Yeah. Yeah, here. There it is. Thanks. Hey, you want some help with Della? I know what to do. Come on, Sugar. Wake up. Betty. Hey, miss, you better give me a hand with the clothes, huh? She's dead, Betty. Murdered. Murdered? Hey, what is this? Hey, you got the wrong idea. I didn't know what... located, Mr. Petty. 1654 West 12. Right next to the mobile gas station. You can't miss it. And hurry down for the one cent sale. This is the last day, you know. We're about to close. Many I'll do that, Mr. Petty. Are you being helped, please? We have many wonderful bargains. These beach balls, for instance, two for the price of... Well, you see the signs, and we blow them up. Mr. Petty, where is he? I'm Mr. Petty. You have a prescription you want filled? We can even take care of you in that department. I'm from the police, Mr. Petty. Oh, official? Oh, you want a discount? I'm afraid... Uh, Official. Oh. But everything's in order. I haven't been robbed, to my knowledge. My prescription books are examined regularly by the state... Della Sloan, you know her? Della Sloan. You see now. It registers. That name registers. Uh, think about it, Mr. Petty, and fast. Oh, don't do that. I get all flustered when people rush me. Mm, I have it, Della Sloan, of course. You'll tell me, too, huh? Please. I don't know Della Sloan from Adam. <laughs> or Eve. But she called here, told me her name. Interesting voice. Why did she do that? Yesterday morning. What did she want? She gave me her name, said a man had called her from this number. Said he must be here waiting for her to call back. Would I page him, please? Page, like this was a hotel or something. Well, she did that because her voice was interesting. Exactly. Was the man here? He was, yes. He was eating a cheese nut burger, the special of the day at the Fonteteria. When I called out, was there someone waiting for a call from a Miss Della Sloan? He put down his nut burger and said he was. Thank you. That's as far as I ever got with Miss Della Sloan. Who was the man? I haven't the vaguest. Except I gathered he was a friend of one of my sometime customers. Who would that be? Mrs. Sylvia Briscoe. She comes in here, as I said, sometimes for a tonic or a special. You said you thought they were friends, the man and Mrs. Briscoe. Why? Because yesterday, when Mrs. Briscoe walked in, the man got up from the soda fountain, tipped his hat to her, and talked quietly. For my observation of the world, friends do that. You know another reason? No, I don't, Mr. Petty. I really don't. After that, there wasn't much of the day to work in. I called on Mrs. Briscoe, but she wasn't home. Then I phoned headquarters and found they'd released Betty Owen. Her alibi that she'd spent the whole day with friends checked. Then I went home for some sleep. At 7.30, I had my breakfast. A little after 8, I was at Sylvia Briscoe's apartment. 
was a story hour to disturb a lady, but the lady had attained the status of number one murder suspect. You got your nerve. I didn't want to disturb you at your office. Disturb me? You disturbed me once. That's your quota. Now get away from here. Can't do that. You better invite me in, Mrs. Briscoe. Invite? You must be out of your mind. You police Slip on a coat. The squad car's downstairs. Why? May I come in? Oh, I... You won't be here long enough to want to sit down, will you? Have you collected your insurance yet? My lawyer told me yesterday it'll be a matter of a few weeks. Then you'll play hopscotch. All over the world. I doubt it. Oh? I apologize, Mr. Clover. I was rude. A woman doesn't like to be caught with her hair up. Please sit down. Give me a cigarette. All right. Light. What have I done? You tell me. Murder? Don't be a fool. Would you like coffee? No, thanks. Miss Briscoe, a man named Joseph Petty, a druggist not far from here, says he knows you. And I know him. Does that make your case stronger? He said you were in his store yesterday morning. For a prescription, a tonic. Is there a heading in the penal code for that? You talked to a man. The things a woman will do nowadays. Disgraceful. What man? I'm asking you that. You want to think about it? Oh, no, no, I remember. A man took his hat to me. That's right. That one. He said, and I'll try to quote him exactly, Hi, baby doll. And he went on from there, Mr. Clover. He said, I'll buy you a malted. Who knows what wonderful things can happen from therein? That's what he said. Look, Mrs. No, you look. That's what he said. Hi, baby doll. Well, I've been taught a defense against that. I flounced my bustle, pointed my thumb, and said, 23 skidoo. And so help me, I never saw the cat before. And you know, I wouldn't know him if I ever saw him again. And that's how it blew up in my face. There was no link between her and the murder of Della Sloan. Still, I knew Della's murder was somehow a part of the earlier killing, an afterthought in the death of Frank Briscoe. At headquarters, I went round and round with it. Round and round. Pataglia, Danny. In the matter of Della Sloan, we have been digging through the records and... And what? Not much, Danny, but I will give you a rundown. There may be something you can glom on to. Can you come with me for a minute? Hold on, Pataglia. What do you got, Muggerman? The lab boys have got pictures developed from Della Sloan. Her apartments, the fire escape, things like that. Want to take a look? Yeah, let's go. Hey, Danny, I heard that. Who are you going to take care of first, me or him? Him, Pataglia. Call me back. Come on, Muggerman. Well, if there's anything in the pictures, Danny, but you'll be in there at the time. They might have a message for you. Yeah. In here, Danny. Over on my desk. Hmm. Nothing I didn't see before. I'll take them back with me, though, okay? Sure, take them. Gino, I thought I hung up. The phone must have slipped off the hook. Wait a minute. Say that again. Huh? Hello? 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 Is that what you want me to say? You've been hanging on the phone all this time? Yeah. You told me. Hold on, remember? Now, back to us, Lord. Hey, do something for me. Call this number. What number? Uh, Walker 8... 
8671. Tell whoever answers it's no good. The insurance people won't pay off. You got it? Yeah, I got it. But, Danny, what does it mean? Right now, Tataglia, you got the whole day to worry about what it means. Car 26. Car 26. Over. Go ahead, 26. Suspect just left the building, Danny, entering a cab. Tail it. No siren. Okay. Car 26. Still with us, Danny? Yeah. Go ahead. Cab is now entering Grand Central Overpass. Maybe you better put someone else on with us. We might lose it. Okay. Keep on it. Danny? Over. Go ahead. Suspect entered apartment building on Madison. Shall we take him? No. Just relax. I'll be right up. Oh, hello, Mr. Clover. Say, we're practically going steady, aren't we? Then I get invited in, huh? Sure. Come on in. Oh, you know Mr. Cutler. We've talked. Sylvia, what kind of a trick is this? What are you trying to do with Relax, me? Relax, darling. I thought I'd finish with you, Mr. Clover. What do you want? You? Him? Uh, Mr. Clover, I... Well, let me explain it to you. There are some things of Frank's, uh, golf clubs <laughs> Don't that I... Don't be so stupid, Eddie. It's obvious what the gentleman wants. You for murder. You didn't hear me, Miss Briscoe. You, too. I'm getting out of here. I know where you are. You followed Eddie here, didn't you? It was you who called him. Eddie. Uh-huh. You fell for that stupid trick. Huh? You brought the policeman here, Eddie. <laughs> stupid, stupid man. Don't forget, you planned it with me. Pretty cleverly, too. Your idea, Eddie? No, the hers. Ah, but it was you got Della to take a room near Briscoe's apartment, Eddie. When you heard him come home, you called him. Told him to hold the phone and walk down the hall into his room and shot him. My Eddie, he did that well. Shot him, then set a fire in the wastebasket to attract attention. Walked back to Della's room and waited till someone picked up the phone. Well, how? How could you have known that? How? I was lucky. It happened to me today. The same pattern. But Della. She she shot Della to keep her quiet. Della would have kept quiet for me. You miserable, Mr. Clover. Eddie shot that girl. I did not. You did. You did, and you know it. It gets worse and worse. What about it, Miss Briscoe? Look at him. Just look. He went to pot after his first killer. It was you. You It was me, Eddie. Understand, Mr. Clover. I couldn't take a chance with that girl losing $100,000 because a girl like that is alive. Come on. Sylvia, they'll kill us. You made me do it. You know you made me do it. Put out your hands, Eddie. Look, we, we, we didn't have to kill poor Frank. You made me. I, I didn't want to do it. First uh-huh. Listen, Mr. Clover, listen to me. It was her. It was her all the time. It was her fault. Shut I... up, Eddie. You're really nothing. Zero in an empty box. Nothing. <laughs> huddled in a dreamless sleep. The silent street is part of it. The long, blank night. The time of no stars. The muted wind. And from far away, the whispers. Start running, kid, or you'll never get home again. It's Broadway. The gaudiest, the most violent, the lonesomest mile in the world. Broadway. My beat. Thank you.
this time when Detective Danny Clover returns again with Broadway's My Beat. It's produced and directed by Elliot Lewis with music composed and conducted by Alexander Curry. The program is written by Morton Fine and David Friedman and stars Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover with Charles Calvert as Tartaglia. And included in tonight's cast were Mary Ship, Kathy Lewis, Jane Novello, Lou Krugman, Joe Forte, and Jack Cruz. Beat has come to you through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Services.